Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sunshine through my window. That's what I am. Okay. It is Thursday, which means it's time for the Front 3 Q&A podcast with me, Adam Bolt, with the one and only Lawrence McKenna. Guys, there you go, I'm here. And the man, the myth, the legend himself, Chris Hennage. Afternoon. Afternoon, indeed. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Front 3. Before we get into the podcast, I do want to say thank you to everyone tweeting me, expressing their concern about my legal troubles. Um, There are no legal troubles. Um, It was a little bit confusing when I did start getting those tweets in. I assume this was you, Lawrence, up to no good on Monday's podcast. Didn't actually say anything. Nothing was said. Yeah, no, you definitely said something. I actually found out when my dad texted me saying, what's this about? You weren't on the podcast this week. What's this about legal troubles? Does your dad really? That's so sweet that your dad actually listens. Oh, he listens. Uh, so I just wanted to reassure dad, the listeners, there are no legal troubles. So uh, be rest assured. It's all good. It's all good. I couldn't make the last couple of podcasts, uh, not because of any legal issues, but unfortunately because my laptop has been stolen. So I've been trying to sort that out with the police, with the insurance company, all this sort of fun and games uh, over the past few days. But everything's fine. The new laptop's here. It means I'm back on the podcast. It means we can get into all your questions you've been sending in on Twitter at the front free. So much exciting stuff to talk about today. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson's move to Everton, Paulinho to Barcelona, our all-time Premier League 11 with the Premier League turning 25. So much to look forward to. I'm sure you'll agree. But before all that, it's the Thursday podcast, which means, as always, it's time for Whole of the Week, the best review on iTunes. Chris, give me a little jingle, give me a little sting while I search for the reviews here. Ta-da! Not bad. Incredibly enthusiastic, which is what I liked about that. Um, so many great reviews this week, guys. We really appreciate you sending them in on iTunes, so thank you very much. Uh, Quays92 from the USA saying, Greetings from California, USA. Long-time listener here. I've been consuming your guys' content since the Football Daily Weekly, guys. He's not joking. That is a long-time listener. Quays, thank you for sticking with us for so long. Uh, also a nice review from Alex W. James from the UK, who simply says, Love it. Keep it up. Uh, Gabriel MCN from the UK as well. Uh, Usu from the USA who said, I only listen because of Statland Dave. Give us a five-star review. Glad he got that in before Dave missed today's podcast. Um, Fickle Docile with a five-star review from the UK. Thank you. Oliver Stoneman also with five stars from the UK. Uh, CJ Cruzza from the USA Founders from the Dirty Tackle podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for your review. Uh, there's two potential reviews though, two potential winners of Whole of the Week. Uh, this week, 
and that is Josh Buda from the USA, whose five-star review was entitled Simply the Best. My name's Josh, and I'm an 18-year-old engineering student from a small town 20 miles outside of Detroit, Michigan. I rarely get the chance to talk to people like myself who love the beautiful game as much as I do, so the Front Free has given me and other listeners like myself an outlet for all things football. Thanks so much for creating this content, and keep up the great work. Love that from Josh Buda from Detroit, Michigan. Great stuff. Um, also in contention is Parry15 from Australia, whose five-star review is entitled Good Banter. Boys, I listen to every pod. You guys keep me entertained in Sydney's terrible traffic. Good content, differing opinions, quality analysis. The main reason I sent in this review is to tell Statman Dave he is my spirit animal. We'll, we'll pass that on. P.S. I'm allergic to nuts, so I haven't done this just for the prize. I like the honesty, I like the integrity there from Parry15. Chris will let you decide this week, is it Josh Buda from Detroit or is it Parry15 from Australia? I will go with Mr. Australia, I think. Good choice, good choice. Uh, Seeing as you're allergic to nuts, we probably won't send you any Ferrero Rocher. We don't want to kill anyone. We'll send you some lint or something. So Parry15, thank you so much for your review. Do slide into the DMs on Twitter at the front free and claim your prize. Let's get straight into the questions then, guys. First up, a contentious topic. Jack Williams writing in saying, when, for the love of God, is Dave bleaching his hair? It's a great question, Jack. It's the question we're all asking ourselves. No one knows, Jack. He's now, he's making excuses. Dave's making some excuses recently. You know, he'd agreed that he was going to bleach his hair, that he was going to set a date. But now certain professional commitments mean that he may not be able to do so. He's suggesting that he can put the money that he was going to spend on bleaching his hair. He can donate that to charity. I'm not sure. I'm feeling another vote situation going on here. I still feel like he can bleach his hair. I think he'll look good. It'll give him a, a professional edge, if anything. Um... But yeah, maybe, I mean, what do you think? And maybe here's a, here's a nice compromise. If it's not the hair on his head, he has to do it somewhere else in his body and then publicly prove it. Yes, you could, you could hide that sort of bleaching. Well, I'm not sure, but I've actually heard about these shoots that Dave's going to be doing. It's interesting, to say the least. But uh, that's the situation, guys. You know, I think yeah, uh, you need to tweet him. Ask that man Dave. Ask him what's going on. Pressure him into bleaching that hair because he's trying to get out of it right now. And... Uh, and I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. A bet's a bet, you know? An agreement between gentlemen is an agreement. So from what I can see, Dave still needs to bleach that hair. That's what we're all waiting for. Um, next question. Let's move on to some football questions. Luke Dorr, long-time listener, long-time friend of the show, says, do Everton really need the signing of Gilfie Sigurdsson? Joined the Toffees for £45 million this week, Chris. Uh, most people saying, no, they didn't need the signing, and certainly not for that price. No, I don't think they did. Um, I think it, it's a bizarre deal because it feels like Ronald Coleman has, has just been chasing the a Moby Dick of sorts because I think, look, Sigurdsson has quality. I, I don't think anyone can test that. But I, th- I think a lot of his success is, is rooted in set pieces, being a number 10. And if you've already signed Davy Clarsen for, what was it, 25 million, I think, um, I'm not sure if it was euros or pounds, but around that figure. And you've got Wayne Rooney again, who was, I would say, another attacking midfielder that really isn't someone that stretches defences and, and relies more on having, I think, that pace and movement around him. It, it just seems like stocking up needlessly in a position, unless they're going to uh, approach it with the, the mentality of having uh, a front three, great podcast, with two 
sort of number 10 sitting behind um, a forward, be that Rooney, be that Sandro, whoever. It just, I, I find it very difficult to to rationalise, though, if I'm, if I'm an Everton fan. It just doesn't really make sense to me. I couldn't help but wonder, after this signing was announced, Lawrence, what the scouting department's of these Premier League clubs doing? What is the scouting department at Everton doing if they can't find a cheaper, younger, better alternative to Gilfie Sigerson for £45 million? I mean, we're also, I mean, I think Kristen makes a good point. You could probably expand Kristen's point a step further and say, maybe they see the value in Gilfie Sigerson that we don't see. And it is very difficult to, um, to, to say directly how he's going to be played in the team. I say it's difficult because it's impossible. We don't know what uh, Ronald Koeman wants to do with him. We don't know. Maybe he particularly values what he thinks Sigurdsson's going to offer. Um, uh, and I think there probably are people who are scouts, but I imagine that there's also an element of um, Sigurdsson, Sigurdsson probably being judged by the coaching staff or maybe Ronald Koeman himself, that he, he can take the step up and that maybe there is 45 million worth of value in that player. Or maybe if, if I don't know, how much, what was 45 million nowadays? If Pogba was at... It's probably he's probably around a twenty million pound player in old money, and that's probably about right. Next question on a related note from Izzy Savinde Laclaus. I butchered your name, wow. Izzy. I apologise profusely, but she asked a great question. The worst piece of business so far this summer. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, of course, in with a shout. Barcelona competing for the title though, potentially with Paulinho or Neymar. Yeah, but Paulinho. I mean, I feel I feel bad. I don't I don't like taking strips off players because, you know, they're all human beings at the end of the day. Call them shit. The the problem with the Paulino deal is, and I said this yesterday, it's the context you apply to it after the fact. So on the same day that his deal was being concluded, Juventus signed Blaise Matuidi for 18 million. Um, They're about the same age, I believe, um, if not only marginally different. You would argue that that Matuidi would be a, a better fit than than Paulinho is. Um, I think that deal, in a lot of ways, paints wider problems that Barcelona are currently facing. So, um, I'm in a funny way. I'm not surprised that deal that doesn't make much sense because I think a lot of their decisions lately haven't made much sense. I mean, even signing uh, Paulinho in the first place because you have Sergi Samper in there and. You're potentially going to loan him out again. You know, you've got Sergio Roberto, who has been playing right back but wants to play centre midfield. That move's going to annoy him, is is already said to have annoyed him. So it seems as if they're lacking a bit of organisation. And I think if you look back historically, most of the bad moves in football occur because a club isn't organised in one form or another. Paulinho, as you say, it's harsh when... Paulinho hasn't kicked a ball for Barcelona yet, uh, and Sigurdsson, of course, hasn't for Everton yet. I say he hasn't kicked a ball. I don't know if you saw his unveiling on Twitter, Paulinho, failing to do some simple kick-ups, you know, the standard unveiling sort of skill, as it were. Didn't go too well for him, so uh, not good omens for Paulinho at Barcelona. Uh, On a similar theme, Alex Sanchez at SNZAlex13 on Twitter says, best piece of business so far. Uh, As you mentioned there, Matuidi to Juventus for, what, half a Paulinho? Pretty tidy. Uh, we've got, I can't even say his name, Kalasinac for Arsenal on a free transfer. Not bad. Uh, James Rodriguez on loan to Bayern Munich. Any others that are sort of springing to mind, Lawrence? Best deals of the, the summer Sal- so far? Salah's not a bad one. Yeah, Bias. I would say Salah's not a bad one. Typical bias. Luka- I mean, Lukaku's definitely good business if he continues 
down this vein. But then I've heard he's had good form against West Ham in the past. So, and, you know, that's hardly the top team in the league. I don't, I don't really think that was why Lukaku was bought. Um, or maybe it was. I don't um, what about best value signing then? Lukaku, fantastic signing, albeit for a hell of a lot of money. Is there anyone that you're thinking in this market right now? God, that's good value for them. You could still say that's probably really good value for Lukaku. Um, who could you go um, you know what? I also think that there's been a lot of value around uh, AC Milan this summer. They've not really overpaid for any of their transfers, and they've pretty much reinvigorated the entire squad. Bonucci, Fernando. Uh, Bonucci's definitely a, a, a really decent one up there, but they've also got a few other signings as well. I can't, the names don't uh, run off the tongue. Um, but then there's also um, how much was Bernardo Silva for Man City? Oh, that's a good shout. Forty-five, I think. A lot oh, of money, yeah, but, but pretty good for a player of his quality. And they sort of got in there before some of the other big clubs could make a move, so it could be a very astute signing. I am wondering. I, I'm just sort of wondering what value. Like, what what do you consider to be the new? Um, <sighs> what's what's a mid-range price for a player now? Is it thirty million? I don't know. It might be forty million this summer because last summer it was the likes of Suzuka going for thirty million. It was kind of like, oh, that was the kind of standard fee. It's been bumped up by ten million at least. This summer, when you see Sigurdsson going for 45, I think it's, it's hard to disagree with that. You're really fixated on this Sigurdsson for 45 thing, aren't you? You really don't like him. <sighs> More fixated on Suzuko for 30 million, still struggling to get over that. Um, let's move on to Julian Draxler, Lawrence. Um, the, uh, the news is that PSG don't want him. Uh, Unai Emery has said there's no space for him in this side as it stands. Despite the, fact they only signed Incredible. In, despite the fact they only signed him in January. There you go. They're just going to uh, dispose of him. Uh, potentially a move to Liverpool on the cards. Maybe Arsenal. Is this something you think Jurgen Klopp should be, they should be ringing alarm bells in the Liverpool, uh, the Liverpool offices? What, why would it be ringing what, bad alarm bells or good alarm bells? No, good alarm bells. Like the transfer alarm yeah. that goes off. Wah, wah, player alert. You know, Drax is yep. available right down the bat pole, the Liverpool pole or whatever it is. Let's get this guy. That's exactly how it works. Um, yeah. yeah I'm, pre- um, I'm pretty sure that's well, how transfers work. Surely, surely it's a Liverpool. Um, very good. So very good. I, I think Draxler would definitely uh, fit into the, the squad. I'm not sure he'd fit in as seamlessly as Coutinho. I'm not sure he's also um, the direct replacement for Coutinho. Um, I think Liverpool are looking for a sort of a metronome um, that's maybe a little bit further ahead of than a no, no, sorry, not even a metronome. Just someone who can control the, the pace of play. So uh, someone who can basically control how quick the ball moves that a lot of the play will run through and also will distract a lot of the players, which then creates space for the Martin and the Sellers. And even the Firmino, if he comes in as a false nine. And someone who can then make a relationship and run onto the ball that Firmino is going to be behind, what Firmino and Coutinho cooked up last season. Um, uh, tactically, I think he could probably make it work. There's the connection of him being a German with Jurgen Klopp, though that doesn't seem to be a massive issue for Klopp. He also seems to favour a lot of people from... Eastern Europe, maybe more like the you know previously Serbia, those sort of places. Um, and I think it'd be a great buy. I just think it's you know probably also going to represent pretty decent value for Liverpool. Um, and the fact is, that if if they are going to go through with the Coutinho deal, which no one really seems to know whether they are or not, people in Catalonia are saying um, obviously that, that it's close or Dembele is close. Both Liverpool and Borussia Dortmund have both sort of gone down the route of, well, actually, neither of our players are sale. We're not even going to negotiate. Um, Dembele sort of went uh, AWOL for a little while. I think Coutinho is, he has a serious back problem, Adam. And 
uh, you know, when you when you go from there, I really think both clubs are just looking to hang on to them until the end of the transfer window, keep them for another season, and then in the end, allow them to go. But I have to go and ask this question: if if you are Dembele or Coutinho, do you really want to go to a club like Barcelona that is currently in dire straits mm. and got absolutely smashed in the Supercopa, despite playing a full strength side? I would say they've become a less attractive uh, proposition in the last few weeks. Um, you know, are Barcelona in crisis? Maybe, maybe there's going to be a bonus podcast this weekend on this very issue. Lawrence, looking deep Wow. you know, the situation of Barcelona right now. Maybe. Um, so keep your eyes peeled. That's all I'll say. Save it for them. Um, let's move on to the next question. It's as if we scripted it. Mm, almost. Uh Pictured City on Twitter, at Pictured City, says, Johnny Evans to Manchester City. According to Sky, what the fuck? Uh, so eloquently put there by Pictured City. Please discuss. Uh, what do you make of this one, Chris? This is, of course, concerning the reports that Manchester City have tabled an £18 million bid for Johnny Evans. Surely this is just a backup option, someone who fulfills the, uh, the homegrown quota at Manchester City? I, th- I think he ticks a lot of boxes like that. Um, I see there's been quite a strong contrast between people who don't think he's good enough and people shouting those down. Is he can't yeah. homegrown if he's from North Ireland. It's where you trained. Um, oh, wow. I mean, Northern Ireland's part of the, part of the UK, obviously, but yeah, it's, it's where that's you almost, tra- God, trained. Right, isn't that almost like saying, well, Austria and Hungary can have their homegrowns? Uh, wait, say that again? Austrian Hungary have their homegrown? <laughs> what are you chatting? Yeah. yeah, because obviously, obviously if, if, if England said, well, we can also have Scottish, Welsh and whatever players, uh-huh. um, would that also would that also be the same for other countries who are sort of associated where, in some way? Because but it's where you train, because Cesc is homegrown, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I just think that's um, in, certainly I'm doing an interesting quotes. I'm doing the old air quotes, yeah. It's um, but you, you know yes, it, it's it's based on where you trained. Um, your you count as a homegrown, I think, for a club and a homegrown for a nation. Um, so like if you move academies when you're young, you can still count as homegrown for the nation rather than Fulham or Chelsea or Arsenal, or whatever. Anyway, I think he takes a lot of those boxes. Um, the the only thing that confuses me is the thought of him crossing Manchester essentially because. If he's come through United and he seems to hold them in quite high regard, I'd be surprised that he would agree to join their rivals, even though it's obviously a big step up for him. Um, I must confess, when I saw him leave Man United, I didn't see him making a step back up. I think he's a good defender. I can't possibly say I subscribe to the idea that he's good enough for Man City, but at the same time, I would say I don't think he's hugely off the, the pace or the standard either. I think he's a short-term option, as you say, ticks those boxes that need to be ticked. And next summer, I'm sure, if Johnny Evans does join the club, uh, he'll be leaving then as Manchester City search for a, for a top-class centre-back. I'm sure that is what is going to happen. That is going to be the case. Uh, let's take the next question from John Sheen. John Sheen, the friend of the show, really interested on what the TF3 team has to say, RE, the current Spurs sit situation. Are they looking to challenge? What's Levy's agenda as a chairman? <sighs> Great question, John. What do we make of all this? Obviously, uh, the Danny Rose comments came out, was it last week, end of last week? Uh, a clear sort of come and get me 
plea from the player. A player who's sort of become a firm sort of fan favourite in the past few seasons. So obviously very disappointing for Spurs fans. But it did raise certain questions, Chris, about the wage structure at the club. Danny Rose, of course, the man who came out and said it publicly, but there's no doubt that there's other players in that dressing room thinking they could double, quadruple uh, their wages if they moved to one of the Manchester clubs or, for example, Chelsea. Uh, obviously, Spurs are looking to challenge this season. They're look, looking to kick on to that next level, something we spoke about many times. But just think in the long term, the challenge for them is with the wage structure they've got at the club, the £100,000 a week wage limit that has been imposed by Daniel Levy, they're going to struggle potentially to hold on to these players in the long term when their rivals can pay these huge inflated wages every week. It's it's a boom and bust cycle. Um, and I think that's why it was imperative, or it is especially now, that Tottenham wins something. Um, because I know there was, I know sometimes stats can be used for clickbaity reasons, if you will. But there was one that floated out after the weekend that Huddersfield have been top of the Premier League for longer than Spurs have since 2014. And I think that while Spurs have definitely improved and they've grown into a side that is, I would say, a lot more consistent with its Champions League uh, aspirations, they, they haven't won anything. And and I think that's where the, the situation with Rose sort of shatters into a lot of different pieces because I totally see why he wants more money. I think, yes, he's, he's arguably, if not the best left-back in the league. Um, so you want to be paid what you feel you're worth relative to the workspace you're in. At the same time, he and his teammates haven't won anything. And you would argue, if you're Daniel Levy or Tottenham, that winners get paid the most. It's I think it, the, there's a school of thought that says sell him and, and get, get rid of him. Um, at the same time, replacing him is incredibly hard. I know Kyle Walker-Peters came in and, and did you know fairly solid against Newcastle. But that's a big ask for a guy like that to come in and replace Kyle Walker long term. I think it'll be trippier. Um, and plus, one of the, the benefits I think Spurs have had, and one of the reasons they found the success to the degree they have, is because they've had continuity. Um, and the second you start to deconstruct that team and take key pieces out, you're going to lose that. And and it's it takes time to build. Um and I think it'd be easy to say, well, you know, Chelsea didn't really have that and they won the league. I, I am slightly worried that Spurs become the nearly men um, or this generation of Spurs because I think it has a lot of potential. I think it's just waiting for that right moment to click. And and if it's this season, then I guarantee Danny Rose won't care how much he's paid come <laughs> if they win the Premier League. He will not in the slightest. Yeah. It remains to be seen. I think this season is, as we've always said, it is a crucial one. Um, I'm still expecting Spurs to make a couple of signings before the end of the window. Talk of Serge Aurier coming in. Uh, talk of Daniel Levy is going to leave it to the last minute to try and force through a deal for Ross Barkley. So I think once we've got those signings in and we can sort of uh, get an understanding of what the squad looks like going into this season, um, we'll have more of an idea of how Spurs are going to going to perform. I think it's going to be difficult for them with Manchester City and Manchester United, most people's favourites for the title, for Spurs to to really put a challenge together again and, and push those teams close. But like you say, I think silverware this season is essential, be it one of the domestic competitions, uh, progress in the Champions League as well. I think getting out of those group stages and, and showing... Uh, showing what Spurs are all about in the knockout stages of the competition is, is essential as well. So it's a crucial year for the Spurs, it's fair to say. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? 
Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Uh, next question is from Liam Smith at Liam Smith 2002 on Twitter. He says, who is your favorite ever Irish player? Uh, it's a great question, Liam. Uh, I'm basically half Irish now because I'm marrying an Irish woman. I think that's how it works. Is it? Is that how it works? What are you doing to an Irish woman? Just ma- just marrying one of them. You know, marrying it. As, as um, Surely the um, best Irish Is, is your Mrs. Northern or Republic? Republic, mate. Yeah. Republic, you know. Republic. Which, which um, kind is she? Yeah. You what? Um, Nothing. It's all about Gary Breen, guys. Responsible for one of the best chants of all time. We all dream of a team of Gary Breens. So I'm going to go for Gary Breen. Over 500 appearances in the, in the Football League, in the Premier League, I believe. Uh, wow. 60-odd for Ireland. So, you know, a national hero, if not a hero. Great kind of fish. Robbie Keane? I don't know. Robbie Keane? We all, well, I mean, surely the same chant can also... <laughs> we like all t- dream of a team. Yeah, it's not bad, not bad. Yeah. Gary Breen. Well, Gary Breen cool and Robbie Keane, exactly cool the same amount of syllables. Yeah. yeah, but Robbie Keane's actually like quite good. Um, any I quite like... This one's... Uh, Damien Duff... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite like Damien Duff. We all like um, Duffy. Duff Duff's good because he was also one of those guys who was part of that original Chelsea team. Oh, and yeah. originally before that, you would never have thought, oh, yeah, Damien Duff, Chelsea team. Duff, um, yeah. You'd almost have just thought, yeah, Damien Duff. Um, who else is good for? Who's a good Irish player? Uh, John Walters has got a bit of a cult uh, hero vibe about him. Definitely say that. He's, uh, uh, he's a good player. Roy Keane not being mentioned? No. Uh, Ricky, I mean, he's not that. He's not anyone's favorite, really. Favorite? I think he's a lot of people's favorite, though, because he's the I've best. He's, yeah, I've heard he's quite charismatic. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um, yeah, Roy Keane's a great shot. I'm going to go for Gary Breen just because I like the charm. Um, moving swiftly on, Charles Antionades, another name I've probably butchered. He says, "Will we ever see a transfer market for managers?" Uh, thanks for your question, Charles. As always, great question. Uh, no, I'm going to say no. Brilliant. Because <laughs> now make it up. Yeah, let's make it up. Just no. I don't. I don't see how that's a possibility. I think we've got enough problems with uh, sort of the, the the transfer market as it is with players right now. There's talk of making that window smaller. Obviously, it brings up all these contentious issues and the money in the game, etc. So I can't see that being something that is ever going to be voted into the game. I can't see that's something that the clubs and the uh, the associations are ever going to be in favour of. It's a completely different power structure, isn't it, with the manager, I think, as well, and different different relationship. Um, but the reason there probably won't be a transfer, I mean, or less, but obviously there's um, people do pay when uh, they take a manager off someone else. So you could say that is sort of a transfer market, um, but it's not to the same extent. Um and there's also, I get, I mean, unless there was some sort of flooding of the market, we're not really going to see a series of, um, you know, sort of these massive transfers of managers. Although a lot of managers can just sort of quit, I guess. Uh, here's a related-ish manager question from Colin Mahoney. Thoughts on Klopp and Wagner wearing the same glasses for their matches the past weekend? I know they are close, but isn't this too much... Yeah. Does anyone remember Joe 90 from back in, like, I don't know, the 90s? 
Uh, no, you're a lot older than us, oh. though, aren't you? You're, you're quite old. So, yeah, I'm 42. There was yeah. um, a there was a show where this kid would sort of get in the middle of a giant beach ball, and his dad would sort of say, "Okay, Joe, we're going to teach you." I'm not even joking some skills and then the beach board sort of spin around a little bit and it would put the thoughts or like the cleverness into his glasses and then joe could do all sorts of things and then it was actually a really good series it's like it's called joe 90 it sounds like the matrix a little bit you know like a precursor to the matrix where they my dad used to watch this it was a really good show like it was really really good yeah he did my dad goes on about this all the time lawrence is your dad's age chris so you know it makes sense yeah i mean that's a great great point i'm 56 so you, you can actually you can go and watch this back on YouTube. It, it was good. There weren't very many sports-based episodes because it was the same as um, it was the same as Thunderbirds. So it's very difficult to make them kick anything. Um, but I've forgotten what, still... what was the original question. I've forgotten the question now. The, the glasses. Oh like right, the glasses. yeah, yeah, no, the glasses. And, and the whole point was that it put the cleverness into Joe Ninety's glasses. And I was so... just going to say, I thought David Wagner was like sort of you know Joe Ninety, but to Jurgen Klopp. So Klopp was Jurgen Wagner's cleverness. Is that what you're trying to say? Or just because you win on one weekend, mate, doesn't mean you're a better manager, all right? I mean, it's the same as if you... Welcome to the world of football. It's the same as when, you, when, when I let you host the front three, it's the same as people let then saying, oh, right, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think Adam is a better host than Lawrence. People sort of right. go, yeah, doesn't but Lawrence invented me. hosting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You did invent... You invented hosting. You invented podcasting I, as well, didn't you? I did. I mean, I'm... I, you are the true... I mean, <laughs> again, Adam, it's like you say, I am very, very old. Your 90 looks a lot like Michael Caine. He looks a lot like Michael Caine um, and uh, also one other guy. I can't remember who else. Probably every other Thunderbirds character because most of them did look very, very similar. Uh, Akshay on Twitter at Gershan4 says, who should Manchester United's fourth signing be this summer? Jose Mourinho has always said he wants four signings. He's got three in the door. Which has been the best transfer of the summer? We've already answered that, Gershan, but let's talk about that fourth Signing for Manchester United, uh, obviously Lindelof, obviously Lukaku, obviously Matic. Who do you think is going to be that fourth signing, Chris? Obviously, all the chat was about Ivan Perisic. Looks like that might not happen now. It looks like he could be staying at Inter. Maybe another left winger, another left-sided player that we talked about before, Julian Traxler. He's available, Chris. It just makes sense. I don't know if they need anyone. Like, I just don't. I look at it and I think... Surely another left-back. I mean got Luke Shaw <laughs> like there, co- there comes a point where and and maybe this is slightly influenced by the fact that my club has no money to spend but there's a moment where I kind of look at the thing like you've spent enough like stop like use what you've got like you've got Luke Shaw for left back I mean you've got uh, Martial there sitting on the bench yeah but you've got Andres Pereira who's a very good talented young player come off I would say the back of a good season with Granada, even though Granada weren't very good. Like there comes a point where you know you can't just keep importing new things all the time. You have to like develop some players as well and and work with some deficiencies. Yeah, I mean it's not like you're ever. I mean, you know, as good as Real Madrid are right now, it's not like you're ever going to build that sort of flawless squad. There is always going to be a way to beat all of these teams. Um, and you've got to admit, it does sort of very much look like a Mourinho side. Um, <laughs> I'm sort of upset. I'm not upset, but like I'm sort of a bit put out that they didn't sign Perisic. I think it would have been a great signing for them. I think in, uh, Milan, Inter Milan has done very well to hold on to him. Um, it's also kind of upsetting because you think it would have been another, maybe a really good announcement thing to, to make Perisic, Perisic do a periscope to announce. But 
That's the real loss. That's the real tragedy of this that's, movie. Isn't that's it? the real tragedy of this yeah. whole situation. Is social media suffering because always... there weren't there wasn't a whole series of periscopes. <laughs> um, next question is from ignoring dragoon who says, when will Marco Asensio win the Ballon d'Or? Not even an if, it's a when with this guy, Lawrence. Uh, scoring absolute screamers for fun. Uh, scored two, I believe, in the two legs of the uh, the Supercopa final there. This guy is the real deal, and he's going to win the Ballon d'Or this year. Maybe not. Okay, maybe not. I'm getting ahead of myself. But possibly, possibly, yeah. <laughs> You're definitely getting, um, I mean, if the year Slightly. was 2020, do you reckon by 2020 they win the Ballon d'Or? 2020, you know yeah, what? three years away. 2020 uh, It's not a million miles away from the bounds of uh, possibility. Here's a bold-ish, but probably not that bold prediction. Cristiano Ronaldo wins it this year. That makes it 5 all between him and Messi. Neither of them are going to win it again because Marco Asensio is going to have an incredible season and he's going to help Spain to win the World Cup next year, therefore cementing his Ballon d'Or and the first other person to win it since... That's not Messi or Ronaldo since uh, and then Neymar. Know, uh, Neymar, you know, he's not going to win it in Liga, man. Let's uh, let's face it. Anyway, um, good, yeah, there you go. Point. Twenty January of twenty nineteen, he's going to win the Ballon d'Or. Wow. That's when. Um, that guy doesn't agree. I have to go, guys. <laughs> oh, uh, why are you my, going? Because my, my my hob has arrived. No, what? What do you mean? Uh, my hob in my house broke, uh, so. I've got to go and get it fixed. And, sounds uh, sounds pretty important. It's, it's gruesome. Gruesome. <laughs> Lawrence, it's been an absolute pleasure to have yeah. you. Um, it's a shame you have to go, but we all understand. We'll uh, we'll speak to you soon. <laughs> Say bye. I, I was here, and that's all that matters. <laughs> okay, uh, bye. See you later, guys. Go on, you can hang see out you, Chris. See you, Chris. See ya. Adam, I'll see you later. See you later. See you later, Adam. Is, is he gone? Later. Is he gone? Never liked that guy. Um, are we still? Oh, we're still recording. All right, okay. Um, next question. We've got a few more here, Chris. May as well finish up with a few more. It's become a front two. Nice, uh, intimate chat, as it were. Uh, Chris, we've got a question here from the one and only, uh, what's his name? Thibaut Hake. Uh, again, another name. I'm really struggling with the names today. Uh, what degrees did you guys do for your careers? Um, I think we've answered this before, but we'll answer it again for you, Thibaut. Uh, I myself did media and communications at Goldsmiths University. Funnily enough, Lawrence did the same, obviously many years before me because he is obviously quite a bit older, as we've established on this very podcast. Uh, Chris, what degree did you do for your uh, your career in journalism? Uh, just that, I did journalism at Northumbria University. Makes sense. It does make sense, to be fair. Um, I, had, I had two offers. I had... Uh, well, actually, I don't know if you still put five universities down, but you did when we did it. Um, yeah. I got I got rejected from two, which I can't remember which the two were. I had an interview for Edge Hill that I just didn't turn up for. Um, an offer from Leeds and an offer from Newcastle. Wow. Wow. Popular man. A couple of uh, couple of offers there. Uh, people are people getting their A level results there? Is that right? That's yes. Yes. Good luck to everyone out there, and remember. What do people say? Something like, don't worry about your results because look how successful I am and I got 10 U's or something. That's usually how, what people say, isn't it? Yeah. It, today, today is usually when social media is awash with people telling you not to worry because they become successful without yeah, education. I think I think you should always try and get an education when you can. Yeah, and, that's very and, important. The, and the truth is... Um, and I certainly can say that I, I didn't do very well in my levels. Um, and part of the reason is because I didn't put the work in. 
So if you haven't done well and you know you haven't put the work in, then yeah, it's a it's a great moment for self reflection. Yeah, not just don't worry about it. It's learn from those mistakes and and be better. Be a better person. Be the best you can be. That's what it's all about. Um, final few questions now. Uh, first up, one from Jamie Dawkins here who said, can we get a shout out to Matt's Hummels? He has joined Juan Mata's common goal 1% pledge. Matt's Hummels deciding to pledge 1% of his wages to charity, essentially uh, joining Juan Mata in that pledge. It's a great thing to see, isn't it, Chris? I mean, in the, in the cynical world of football where you can't help but feel these millionaires are alienated from the fans themselves from the working class game they're giving something back at least it's a it's a sort of much needed happy story as it were yeah it's a really nice gesture i hope uh, i hope more players take uh, take them on or, or take on that uh, that opportunity because i think yeah it's it's nice to give back and and look obviously they're not uh, they don't have to um but i think it's a good way to kind of re-establish the bond Am I? Do you think it's churlish of me to say maybe they could have gone to two percent? Maybe given that they earn such incredible amounts, that maybe two percent they wouldn't miss that. You know, double it. Yeah, I think it's more symbolic. That's the thing. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's like. Yeah, I think it's symbolic. It would be nice to see more footballers join there. I think it's great that Matt Summers has. Uh, has decided to, to join Juan Mata in doing this because it will encourage more footballers to do the same, which can only be a good thing in the, at the end of the day. You know, I can't be too, uh, too childish about it. Um, final question. Oh, this is a good one to finish on for me and you, Chris. Uh, of course, the Premier League turned 25 earlier this week, 25 years of the Premier League. So Tom Bright has written in to say, what is your all-time Premier League 11? It's a great question. Um, let's do it, Chris. Let's go for, should we go for a four-four-two classic English formation, bit old school, allows us to get two strikers in there, some wingers, blah, blah, blah. Fair enough? Sounds good. Okay, goalkeeper. Uh, any disagreements with Peter Schmeichel? Uh, no. Well, okay, simple as that. Peter Schmeichel is our goalkeeper. Uh, let's go for a left-back. It's got to be Ashley Cole, one of the greatest English left-backs of all time. Yes, I would agree with that one as well. Uh, well, let me just rephrase that. One of the greatest English defenders of all time. Yeah. Um, centre backs, a little bit more difficult. A, bit more, a few more options there. We're looking at the likes of Tony Adams, Sol Campbell, John Terry, Nemanja Vidic. Uh, my head is saying John Terry, fantastic centre back. Uh, won countless what five Premier League titles, I think. He's won a number of Premier League titles as well, of course. has been a mainstay of the Premier League. But yet, my heart says, ah, there's no way you can put John Terry in. He's an absolute scumbag. So maybe Nemanja Vidic or Rio Ferdinand. I prefer to put them in, maybe. It's uh, a good question. Tony Adams, maybe? No? Tony Adams. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can get on board with Tony Adams. I can definitely get on board with Tony Sol Adams. Sol Campbell? Yeah. Probably harder for you, I imagine, but still. Difficult. But, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remain impartial. I'm trying so to think. These on the pitch, talking about the on the pitch qualities, as it were. Would you, would you put in one of the Manchester United uh, centre-backs there who were part of Rio the... Rio Ferdinand, uh, I would. Yeah, I think Rio Ferdinand. Not sold on Vidic, but yeah, I know that would get me a lot of <laughs> antagonistic comments from United fans, but yeah. Rio Ferdinand is the quintessential Rolls-Royce of a defender. So I think, for me, Rio Ferdinand should be in there. Uh, so we'll go for Rio. Uh, partnering him... Between John Terry, then Sol Campbell, Tony Adams. I uh, read recently that Shearer said 
he was never worried about going up against Saul Campbell, but Tony Adams he always had a tough time with. We use that as our tiebreaker then. So we're putting in Tony Adams. Yes. Tony Adams alongside Rio Ferdinand. Right back. Um, hard to overlook good old Gary Neville in this role. Uh, I mean, like Dixon. No. Trying to think. Yeah, go on, he gets in. I, I, I do think Neville has a little, has a slight tint of revisionism towards his career. Like he won a lot, of course, but I never really thought he was like world class. I never really watched him and thought, wow, he's amazing. Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, who else do we have here? Let's go centre midfield then. Centre midfield, we're looking at the likes of Paul Scholes, Gerard Lampard, of course. Who would you like to put in of those three? Lampard has to be in there. Lampard, I would agree with that. Um, I don't think you can argue with his, his goal record and, of course, his, his trophy haul as well. Alongside him, do we go for Scholes? Do we go for Gerard? It's tough. It is tough. Gerard never won a Premier League title, that's the thing. Does that automatically disqualify him from the race, even though he's one of the greatest? Well, you could argue because of that, he's never had the consistency. But then you could also say that he never had the quality of teammate either. Let's, 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 let's make this easier by just saying, okay, the qualification for this team that we're making right now, you have to have won a Premier League to be in with a shout. Therefore, Gerard is not in with a shout. Surely then, is it Paul Scholes who goes in alongside him? Yeah. One of the most decorated... Um, Scholes are Carrick one of the de- most decorated footballers of all time. Of course, the most decorated, I believe, most decorated British footballer, Ryan Giggs. He's got to be in on the left, surely. Uh... Come on. You can't pick anyone else on the on the left of midfield over Ryan Giggs, surely. I'm just thinking. That's why I'm just making sure that I'm not uh, ignoring someone that's painfully obvious. I think from here on out, yeah. it is. Yeah, I'd give yeah, yeah. Giggs. No uh, players play more Premier League games than Giggs, of course. Um, I can't even remember how many... Uh, Premier League times he won. But yeah, Giggsy gets it. Um, on the right, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes. One of the greatest to to, to be in the Premier League. Um, that final scored season. scored an insane amount for a winger as well, if you think about it. Oh yeah, I think uh, he scored 31 goals in his in one of his final seasons at Manchester United. Uh, one countless individual honours here, won the Ballon d'Or in the Premier League, the last Premier League player to win that title. So, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, has to go to. Up front for me, it's simple. Alan Shearer, the all-time top scorer in the Premier League, and Thierry Henry, potentially the best player to ever play in the Premier League. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, Schmeichel in goal, Gary Neville right back, Tony Adams and Rio Ferdinand, a rock-solid partnership at centre-back. On the left had to be Ashley Cole, left of defence. On the right, Cristiano Ronaldo, Paul Scholes, pirating up the Lampard in the middle. Left of midfield, it had to be Ryan Giggs and Shearer and Henri up front. That is one hell of a team, Chris. I think it's a fantastic team. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings an end to this Front 3 Q&A podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sending in all your questions on Twitter. Do continue to do so over the next week. If you want to be featured on next week's Q&A podcast, it's at the Front 3 on Twitter. Do leave us a review and rate the podcast on iTunes as well. Uh, It does help new people find the Front 3, which we very much appreciate. Uh, And do keep your eyes peeled on Saturday morning, potentially for a little bonus podcast on Barcelona. Um, Yeah, a nice little surprise for you there, hopefully. Uh, until next Monday, which will be the weekend review, as always. Chris, where can the good people, where can the listeners, where can the whole find you? 
at the front three. Oh, very selfless. I'm going to be selfish. You can find me at Adam Boltwood on Twitter. Um, just tweeting super hot fire every day of the week. That's how it goes. Uh, guys, enjoy your weekends. Enjoy the weekend's football. And we'll see you on Monday.